God commands Ezekiel to cut his beard and cut his hair. He has a statement that he wants to make through that particular example. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. Welcome to this program as we go through the Bible. From Genesis 1 to Revelation 22 today, we land in Ezekiel chapter 5. This is a very interesting time. And as we do so, Corey and Ryan are here. Corey, what's going on? Well, I'm going to be talking about that haircut of Ezekiel because why would God command Ezekiel to do something that God has previously commanded not to do, right? All right, so today, in continuation of yesterday, I'm going to be expanding on our study of Ezekiel's 430 days. Very interesting. And Janice, what are you doing? Today, a light to the nations. So let's get out our Bible guide. If you don't have one, stay there. We'll tell you how to get one in just a moment. Let's open up the Bible and listen to God speaking to us right now. Ezekiel 5, 1 through 10. And you, son of man, take a sharp sword, take it as a barber's razor, and pass it over your head and over your beard. Then take scales to weigh and divide the hair. You shall burn with fire one third in the midst of the city when the days of the siege are finished. Then you shall take one third and strike around it with the sword. And one-third you shall scatter in the wind. I will draw out a sword after them. You shall also take a small number of them and bind them in the edge of your garment. Then take some of them again and throw them into the midst of the fire and burn them in the fire. From there a fire will go out into all the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, this is Jerusalem. I have set her in the midst of the nations and the countries all around her. She has rebelled against my judgments by doing wickedness more than the nations and against my statutes more than the countries that are all around her. For they have refused my judgments and they have not walked in my statutes. Therefore thus says the Lord God, because you have multiplied disobedience more than the nations that are all around you, have not walked in my statutes, nor kept my judgments, nor even done according to the judgments of the nations that are all around you, therefore thus says the Lord God, Indeed I, even I, am against you, and will execute judgments in your midst in the sight of the nations." And I will do among you what I have never done, and the like of which I will never do again, because of all your abominations. Therefore fathers shall eat their sons in your midst, and sons shall eat their fathers. And I will execute judgments among you, and all of you who remain I will scatter to all the winds. Ezekiel chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. Ezekiel chapter 5, 6, and 7 is where we read today as we go through the Bible. You know, the prophet Ezekiel did some very strange things from our modern perspective. The people of Judah were already in the bondage of exile under the brutality of the Babylonians when God told Ezekiel to shave off his beard 
and cut all the hair off his head. Now, this would be highly unusual for a pastor or a priest to do in today's world, but it was a standard morning ritual in the ancient world. And although they could not get to it, the one thing that Judah had was the temple in Jerusalem. God tells Ezekiel to shave his head and beard and gives him specific instructions on what to do with his hair and the folds of his garment. Now, this is interesting. This is all to dramatize the future of Jerusalem and the exiles. Jerusalem would soon fall and the temple soon would be pillaged. The sacred articles would be stolen and the city burned by the Babylonians. Now, what in the world is all this about? Because God's name is supposed to be in Jerusalem and his temples there after all. But remember that the people there had forgotten that God was not about the temple, but God was about the people and the people were in rebellion. Very, very interesting. As we read through this today, it's going to be fascinating. We're talking about strange things from Ezekiel chapter five. Now I would encourage you to take your Bible guide and turn to that today. If you don't have a Bible guide, why not? You can call us or write to us. We'll send you one. Or you can go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. When you go there, click on the Bible guide and it'll take you to a donate page. And may I say thank you for your donations. They're very important to us. And we don't tell you how much to give. Well, a donation, any amount. We trust the Holy Spirit's work in you to reveal all that information. But when you're finished with that, it'll take you to a page where you can download it just exactly how we printed it. So make sure that you do that today. It's very important. And Father, today we pray in the name of Jesus Christ and by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would help us to study the scripture. Help us to understand what you've said, because this is important. And we pray today, Lord, that you would guide us and direct us as we take your word and allow it to affect our hearts instead of taking our hearts and trying to apply it to your word. Help us to apply your word to us. And Father, we pray today that you would show us your ways and teach us your paths in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen and amen. Now, when we look at the first part of this chapter, it becomes very important. Listen carefully. Chapter five. And you... Son of man, take a sharp sword, take it as a barber's razor and pass it over your head and your beard. Then take scales to weigh and to divide the hair. You shall burn with fire one third in the midst of the city when the days of the siege are finished. Then you shall take one third and strike the ground around it with the sword. And one third you shall scatter in the wind, and I will draw out a sword after them. You shall also take a small number of them and bind them in the edge of your garment, and then take some of them again and throw them into the mist of the fire and burn them in the fire. From there, a fire will go out into all the house of Israel. Now, this is interesting. God commands Ezekiel to cut his hair and beard as a sign to Israel. God will cut off those who reject his covenant. Now, I need to be clear about this. 
God's covenant is nothing to mess around with. We have one chance to be relieved of our sin. Sin is a horrible, awful evil. S-I-N. It's still present today. And we have to ask Jesus Christ, the Lord, who came 2,000 years ago and died on the cross and rose again to pay the cost of our sin, and he rose again in the flesh. We need to ask him to come into our hearts and forgive us of our sin and take over. That's very, very important. That's just the way it is. He has to be Lord of our life. All right, let's go on because this gets interesting. 5 verse 5 says, Thus says the Lord God, this is Jerusalem. I have set her in the midst of the nations and the countries all around her. She has rebelled against my judgments by doing wickedness more than the nations and against my statutes more than the countries that are all around her. For they have refused my judgments and they have not walked in my statutes. Now, this is important. Jerusalem's people had rejected the reign of God. When nations, listen carefully, when nations reject the reign of God, they are in line for God's judgment. And let me tell you something right now. You know, if we reject the reign of God, if we reject the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord, we're going to pay the cost for it. And to be honest with you, there are things going on in the world today that we're paying the cost for. We need to come back to the Lord. We need to repent and say, Father, God, forgive us of our sin. Come into our heart, Jesus Christ. Forgive us of our sin and make us right with you. Help us to live and follow you in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what we need to pray today. It's very important. Now let's read on because this gets important. 7 through 10. Therefore, thus says the Lord God. Because you have multiplied disobedience more than the nations that are all around you have not walked in my statutes, nor kept my judgments, nor even done according to the judgments of the nations that are all around you. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, indeed, I, even I am against you and will execute judgments in your midst in the sight of the nations. Verse 9. And I will do among you what I have never done, and the like of which I will never do again, because all of your abominations. Therefore, fathers shall eat their sons in your midst, and sons shall eat their fathers. And I will execute judgments among you and all of you, who remained, I will scatter to all the winds. Which brings me to point three. The basic principles of living will be destroyed because of sin. The basic principles of living will be destroyed because of S-I-N. You see, God always restores what is his and what is not will die. Bottom line. If we understand that, if we repent and we make our ways right with God, then let me tell you what he's going to do. He's going to move in and protect us. He's going to move in and help us through all of the challenges around us, all of the people doing crazy things around us. Not that we can be arrogant because we're not, but that we can be rescued 
because that's exactly what Jesus Christ came to do. Die on the cross because we killed him for our sins, raised from the dead in the flesh, come into our hearts and be the Lord of our life. Very important. Hi, Rod Hember here. We go through the Bible every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Now you can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, we're there. Get a hold of it. Watch us anytime you want to. Well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study. And I know that we're in Ezekiel chapters five through seven today, but as I mentioned yesterday, I really wanted to spend some time in Ezekiel four to try and figure out what Ezekiel's 430 days were and where they fit into history. Now, if you remember yesterday, we went through some different ideas and theories proposed by scholars over the years. And we left off with a pretty interesting one, which has the 430 years concluding on May 14th, 1948. And if you're unaware of that date, this was the very day that Israel was reestablished as a nation. Now, that would be a very significant date indeed. But there's more to this theory. Check it out. The priest and prophet Ezekiel was one of the most fascinating persons in the entire Bible, for it was he whom God commanded to act out various skits in order to portray future events. In one instance, God instructed the prophet to lie on his left and right side for a total of 430 days, one day for each year of God's judgment against his people, 390 for the house of Israel and 40 for the house of Judah. Although the Bible doesn't tell us what time period these 430 years belong to, nor do they seem to fit in with known history, several ideas have been proposed. According to one theory, 70 years of this judgment were already fulfilled during the Babylonian captivity, which still leaves 360 years unaccounted for, a 360 years that again doesn't seem to fit with anything in history. However, if we apply God's promise in Leviticus 26 that he would punish his people seven times over for their sins if they did not obey him, some interesting results occur. In fact, multiplying the remaining 360 years by seven yields a result of 2,520 years. Based on the Gregorian calendar with 365-day years, this again seems of little consequence. However, based upon a Jewish reckoning, these 2,520 years equals 907,200 days. Still, where do we apply them? Curiously, plugging in this number to two very significant Jewish events brings us forward to two other very significant Jewish events. The first two major events are the Jewish exile and the destruction of Jerusalem. The Jewish exile began in 606 BC and lasted until the summer of 537 BC. And although we don't know the exact day Israel was set free, if they were released on July 23rd of that year, then 2,520 years would bring us to May 14th, 1948, the very day that Israel was reestablished as a nation. The second major Jewish event was the destruction of Jerusalem, which occurred in 587 BC and lasted until 518 BC, when Nehemiah was granted permission to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. Again, we don't know the exact day that the walls of Jerusalem were rebuilt, but if it was August 16th, 518 BC, 
Then adding 2,520 years would bring us to June 7, 1967. This was during Israel's famous Six-Day War, in which their miraculous victory led to the restoration of their old biblical city of Jerusalem. Although this theory is speculative and more research needs to be had, these results are nevertheless very interesting. So while this theory is speculative and more research needs to be done, it is rather interesting, isn't it? Two very significant events in Jewish history, the exile and the destruction of Jerusalem, coming full circle to two other very significant Jewish events, the reestablishing of Israel in 1948 and the Six-Day War in 1967. That's very, very interesting. Of course, we shouldn't be dogmatic on where these 430 years fit into history because the Bible simply doesn't tell us. But God said it, and so we should believe it, because everything God says has and will come to pass. It's important to remember that Israel is God's country, and whatever God chooses to do in Israel affects how we see the world today. And that's very interesting. Mm -hmm. Whatever your belief is on eschatology or the end of time, that is very interesting. So I would say, and we're taping this, uh, what, it's a month and a half in advance. I would say, watch Israel. Keep an eye on Israel because things are happening right now that are very, very interesting. Corey? All right. I want to think through with you one of the issues that pops up in Ezekiel chapter 5 because we see God commanding Ezekiel to uh, to shave his head and his beard, which as a priest and just as an Israelite in general, we know Ezekiel was commanded by the law of God not to do. He was not supposed to ever shave his head or his beard. He probably could shave his head uh, if he had taken a Nazarite vow, for example, but not in mourning, which is the context of Ezekiel 5. Go into mourning in shave. All right. So there's a bit of controversy that swirls around this, around the Old Testament's prohibitions against shaving, cutting, and tattooing the body as forms of mourning. Okay. There were kinds of mourning rituals. So the prohibitions are from Leviticus 19, 21 and Deuteronomy 14. So I'm just going to read some of them to you. Leviticus 19 verses 27 and 28 is for all of Israel. And it says this, do not cut the hair at the sides of your head or clip off the edges of your beard. Do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourselves. I am the Lord. Then in Leviticus 21 verse 5, when speaking of priests specifically, it says this, priests must not shave their heads or shave off the edges of their beards or cut their bodies. They must be holy to their God and must not profane the name of their God because they present the food offerings to the Lord, the food of their God, they are to be holy. And Deuteronomy 14 verse 1 and 2 says this, you are the children of the Lord your God. Do not cut yourselves or shave the front of your heads for the dead, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. Out of all the peoples on the face of the earth, the Lord has chosen you to be his treasured possession. All right, so we, we get it. The Israelites were not supposed to shave their heads, cut their beards, cut their bodies, or put tattoo marks on themselves as rituals of mourning for the dead. But the problem is in other areas of scripture, like here in Ezekiel, we see God commanding uh, to shave hair, uh, 
as mourning for those who are going to die, for the dead here in Ezekiel chapter five. But in, and in other areas of scripture, we know that this was happening in Israel. For example, in Jeremiah 16, verse six, uh, it's verses five and six, it says this, for this is what the Lord says, do not enter a house where there is a funeral meal. Do not go to mourn or show sympathy because I have withdrawn my blessing, my love and my pity from this people, declares the Lord. Both high and low will die in this land. They will not be buried or mourned and no one will cut themselves or shave their head for the dead. Uh, and it continues on there. Um, you know, in Amos 8 verse 10, God says that he's going to do something. I will turn your religious festivals into mourning and all your sing singing into weeping. I will make all of you wear sackcloth and shave your heads. When we think about the nature of all the mourning rituals that Israel was involved in, including these, uh, well, first, all of the other mourning rituals, like putting dust on your head, sitting out in the public streets, wearing sackcloth, not eating uh, regular food or drinking regular drink, these are all temporary, right? You can get up, you can bathe, you can clothe, you can eat and drink. They're all temporary except for the ones that were outlawed, shaving your head or cutting yourselves. Cutting would leave scabs or perhaps even scars and shaving. I mean, it's technically temporary, but it takes a long time for your hair to grow back. Uh, the priests, think about this, the priests, they were supposed to serve God with no outward signs of human sinfulness. And death is a sign of human sinfulness. What happened to Adam and Eve after they sinned? God kicked them out of the Garden of Eden. Why? So that they wouldn't have access to the tree of life that was keeping them alive. So they would eventually die. So death is a sign of human sinfulness. And the priests were be supposed to be able to serve God at a moment's notice without any signs. So I think that there's a correlation here that we are not to, that, that they were not to uh, engage in cutting or shaving because they needed to be able to serve God after their period of seven days of mourning. And the people of Israel were similar, remember. They were envisioned as priests of the world. So they were supposed to be ready at any moment to be healed by God and to live in his presence. And this reminds me, guys, I'm running out of time, but it reminds me very much that even as Christians on this side of the cross, now past the time period of the Old Testament, the Old Covenant into the New Covenant, we are called not to be like the world. We are called to trust in the goodness of God to save us, to redeem us from even death. Uh, Think, think about 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 to 18. I'll quote just a part of it. We do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. We are people who at any moment, God will heal and will redeem, and we will have no outward signs of our old past human sinfulness, including death. So Corey, the... the command to shave your beard and your head meant what? So it, it meant to not expect God to save you from this punishment. This punishment was sure, and it was not going to be quickly ended. So in other words, Ezekiel's hair was going to have time to fully grow back before mm -hmm. God would rescue from this punishment. He wasn't going to turn it over. So whenever in the scripture, then whenever we see God saying, I will shave your head, means mm -hmm. this is a sure punishment. 
Don't expect quick rescue from it. It's going to be a while. Very,、mm-hmm. very interesting. I'll tell you, Janice. Well, a light to the nations. This chapter of Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter five, is so interesting, and we see here a scripture in talking about、um, Jerusalem.、Uh, God says she has rebelled against my judgments by doing wickedness more than the nations, and against my statutes more than the countries that are all around her. For they have refused my judgments, and they have not walked in my statutes. Did you notice that that they they were doing more wicked than the nations around them? And yet, according to Deuteronomy four seven through nine, I don't have time to read it right now. But but it talks about this great nation of of Israel and 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 this wonderful God that they served and their their covenantal obligations to the Lord gained the admiration. It was to gain. The admiration of the nations of the world, and if Israel had obeyed these laws, she would have been the light of the world. And this is what we're talking about here right now. Now, similarly, we as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, are to be a light in the world. We are to be a reflection of who the Lord Jesus is. But that's not just lip service. That's not just saying, "Well, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian." It's actually living according to how the Lord requires us to live. And some of you might say, "Well, Janice, Jesus went to the cross. We don't live under the law. We don't live under the law. Christ came to fulfill that law, but Christ also said that His disciples will do His word. How can we do His word if we don't know Him?" If we don't know His Word, if we come to the Word and we decide that, well, I like this part, but I don't like that part, or this might mean something, but you know, our culture today says that it doesn't matter. That doesn't change the Word of God. So be very careful, my friends. We are to be a light, a light. Jesus spoke to them again, saying, "I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life." That's John eight verse twelve. I want you for homework to look up Matthew chapter five. Read from thirteen to sixteen. Believers are to be the salt and the light of that of this world. It's a responsibility. It's a commission by the Lord Jesus Christ. Please take this seriously. Take the word of God seriously. I am very excited about Rumble. It's an organization that is wonderful. It's a social media organization, and our programs are there, and our twenty-four-seven station is there. All of our programs we record in the studio here, put on it. Join us on Rumble. Now let's pray. Father, I humbly lay down my life before you today. You are the reason that I'm coming to ask forgiveness of my sin.
and be the Lord of my life. Amen.